Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And it is the Reverend here. And folks, we are still live in Las Vegas for the Military Influencers Conference. And today, the guest that I have with me, his name is Nate. How are you doing, sir? I'm just fine. And you are with a group called Irreverent Warriors. Is yes, there? Yeah. Now, let's give a little information about you. Who are you with the organization? Sure. And uh, let's talk about the organization a little bit. Sure. I'm Nate McDonald. I've served with Reverend Warriors for about four years now. Um, I'm the Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. So you basically do everything. I do a lot of shit. So how did you get involved in Irreverent Warriors? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun story. Uh, well, pieces of it are. But um, during my time in service, I saw firsthand the impact that the mental health and uh, suicidality issues across the military and veteran space, I, I saw the gravity of the situation. I, my cousin, I went to basic training with him. Um, he committed suicide a couple of years ago. It's just been consistent, uh, both in service and afterward. So the mission has always been very personal to me. Um, tried to help out wherever I could. There was obviously a lot of nonprofits in this space and uh, I, would, I would go volunteer for events or try to help put events on with uh, try, just in the interest of trying to impact that mission set. Um, one, of the, one of the first nonprofits I ran into um, was Irreverent Warriors. I was a contractor at Bragg. I guess now it's uh, Liberty. They changed the name of Fort Bragg. I think they did. Oh yeah, I heard about that. They isn't that a big thing? They were changing the name a lot of military bases. I I wouldn't know, but I I know somebody okay. referred to uh, Fort Liberty, and I I don't know where that is. And then it turned out it was Bragg. Anyway, uh, no shit. Sure. Yeah, I was there, and um, found out about Silky Sykes. I was like, all right, Silky Sykes sound fun. What are we doing? And uh, they tried to put a Silky's hike on in Fayetteville for a couple of years, couldn't get it done. Um, I'd been around the area and was networked well enough that I had connections in the area, resources, a ton of veterans, helped them put on the first Silky's hike in Fayetteville. We had like 400 veterans out for it. It was a fantastic day. Um, I went into it just assuming it was a ruck. It was just an event. And then uh, quickly realized how impactful this event really was going to be. Obviously put months into planning, um, got the hike on the streets. It was, it was the second hike I'd actually ever attended. I'd only been to one other Silky's hike a few months earlier. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. It was a, one of the first events I've been to that was exclusively military and veteran, which, you know, if, if you'd asked me prior to that event, you know, what, what is the value of an exclusive environment? I, I wouldn't have been able to give that to you. But then on the day of the event, I was watching veterans show up, arms crossed, very sullen, not making eye contact, not talking with anyone, um, just alone. And for the most part, it was self-imposed. They were just standing by themselves. And uh, the second that people understood you know, what the mission was of the hike. You know, we're bringing veterans together. We, we're embracing the culture that we have throughout the military and veteran space and, and harnessing that energy and the camaraderie to bring veterans together and let them be each other's peer support. And uh, I was watching these same veterans that were sitting there sullen on the sidelines at the beginning of the hike, laughing, crying, telling dark jokes, Nobody was looking over their shoulder. They didn't have to wonder who was listening or if they were going to offend someone or, you know, if, if the story was too raw for someone. People were just openly communicating. And it was the most honest and raw engagement I'd seen in the veteran community. And uh, I realized the impact that these events could have. So we executed the event. And then uh, Danny Maher, he's the founder of Reverend Warriors, and Cindy, now the, now the president, at the time she was the National Hikes Coordinator, and they asked if I'd be a bigger part of the organization. I was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. I, I'm a contractor, way too busy. I, I just don't have time, but I'll, I'll support where I can. That's not how it worked out. I was compelled to keep going back. I went to another event and another event. And I, uh, there, was, there was just so much opportunity. Um, I, was, I was blown away, blown away. And uh, 
so so finally about i want to say about eight or nine months later um and by that point i'd been to a dozen events all over the country um gotten more engaged with the organization and that uh the spring of 2019 we had our first national conference and uh i just helped out same way i had been but i by that point i'd taken on social media and marketing public affairs public relations as wearing way too many hats and uh the the board of directors got together and they were like hey um you're doing all of the effort why aren't you going to take the title like you might as well dude and uh that was that last chip that fell and i was all in um so i i was doing that uh air quotes here on the side and uh still running probably 50 60 hours a week on the contractor side of the equation and uh my health just kicked out from under me. No, when you say contractor, were you a government contractor? I was, Department oh. of Defense. Oh, so Depart- I, uh, JSOC. Oh, okay. Awesome. So what was your MOS when you were in the service? 2621. And what is that? Intelligence, signals, intelligence, electronics, ground warfare. Okay. <laughs> so I was a combat engineer, so I have no idea what any of that means. I didn't uh, either. That sounds like smart guy stuff. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Um, there's, there's a variety of capabilities that are leveraged through that MOS, but, um, I specifically did a lot of direction finding geolocation. Um, it was all tactical intelligence operations. No. So that transfers pretty well over to the civilian space when you do the contracting work and everything like that. So you did that for quite some time. I did. Yeah. I was, I was in the Marine Corps for five years. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It was oh, happy a birthday, though. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is my birthday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I honestly, if you'd asked me uh, leading up to that last deployment in 2011, if you'd asked me, am I going to stay in? I'd have been like, no, nah, dude, I'm, I'm done. <clears throat> and I had a very unconventional Marine Corps experience because um, I went straight to Fort Meade, Maryland, my first duty station. And... Uh, <laughs> really wasn't around Marines that much. I was uh, working with special projects as an uh, intelligence operator and had a great time doing it. Oh, that sounds incredible. I mean, other than the obvious jokes about Marine Corps intelligence, which I won't (laughs) go into. uh, (laughs) Oxymoron. Oxymoron. Anyway, (laughs) but uh, no, that sounds really cool. And yeah, because I kind of expected. um, Now, do the Marine Corps wear silkies? Yes, we do. Oh no shit! Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. See, I always can, I always uh, related that to like special forces, rangers. I never thought about that being a Marine Corps thing. So what? What uh, does everybody in the Marine Corps wear silkies, or is that just like only a PT the good gear? ones? Only the good only ones. Only the good ones. Is that yeah. like an optional think, uniform, or what is well, that? Well, by the time I got in the Marine Corps, uh, silkies were kind of a thing of the past. They were uh, kind of a nostalgic thing. You know, people people would wear them to PT. As long as they were allowed, um, people cut the liners out of them just to make things more obnoxious. Um, but they were just kind of a cult classic in the Marine Corps. Okay. So they weren't hey, necessarily I, an issued item anymore, but everyone so, had them. So I'm not judging at all <laughs> uh, because I never wore silkies when I was in service. And then uh, now I've developed a real affinity for them. I actually wear them around the house considerably. And I have a neighbor up the <laughs> My wife's like, yes, he does. <laughs> like, for real. My poor kids. Um, but my neighbor up the road, I, I, the dude's the most special guy you'd ever want to meet in your life. And uh, he is this, uh, he's like 6'2", like 225, but the non-muscly version. Like the complete soft dad body, awkward <laughs> gut, you know, not not terrible, but not somebody you want to see in silkies, right? And so the way this dude mows his yard all summer long as he goes outside with just silkies, no shirt, a bandana on his head. And he is that's l- peak performance, dude. He, he's, it's he's, a great he's living the dream. Silkies are a great piece of gear. Yeah, they really are. I, I told uh, the inside joke and I haven't done it yet is we're going to make a stoned ape silkies and I'm going to go give him a pair just so he mows his yard in the stoned apes gear. Yes. And I was like, it's one little piece of clothing. Like it can't be that big of a deal. No, so fine. So the Silkies then, obviously, uh, related to Rangers, Special Forces, Marine Corps. Uh, do you have to be any of these things to be a part of IW? You don't. Uh, we're a very inclusive organization. Our only stipulation is you had to have served. 
um, in the military. It doesn't have to be the U.S. military. It doesn't need to be active duty. Uh, it could be reserves. The way we qualify that is you needed to have gone through basic training and gotten to your first duty station. So if you, if you got to a duty station, no matter what service you served in, you're a veteran in our books. Okay. Well, yeah. that's really awesome. So that's very inclusive. That allows a lot of people to be able to come into the organization to participate in the events. So let's talk about the events because this isn't something that I have personally done. I uh, I got uh, wind of your organization through the Grunt Style Foundation because we're affiliated and we partner with them. And so they were the ones that first put you guys on my radar. And then one of our partners, uh, Jordan Kirby out of Krieger Gaming, he just participated in an IW event out in California. And uh, he posted that. And I was like, oh, man, I love these guys. So this is great. Now, now, one question I got for you is, how are the Silkies not part of your standard uniform? Like, you weren't wearing them around the hotel this weekend. Like, You know, I, I was told it was too much leg for, for adulting. Just too much? Yeah. I mean, the, um, polo, the polo and the Silkies is a good look. You can get, like, a fanny pack to go with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think it would have been too much of a distraction. Um, yeah. Probably to myself, you know, that breeze coming through. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I would have preferred it. Because they are my my primary piece of clothing. Yeah, I don't blame you. So it, versatile. It is. Yeah, it is. It's well done. So, what can somebody expect when they show up at an IW event? Um, for the viewing, for the listening audience out there, if somebody's wanting to participate, be involved. Where do they need to go? What What should they expect? What are the reasons why they would like to be involved? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the very unique things about the organization and and the events we put on. Um, is that you, we don't have a single reason as, as veterans that we're going to anything. And the Silky Sykes are the same way. Um, a lot of people from, the, from outside of our community look at veterans as something very specific. Like, all right, you're a veteran, so it means you're disciplined and you have camaraderie, through, you, have, you have a brotherhood, um, you have family. Uh, they, they talk about, you know, or they think of the, the military members as a very specific, uh, person or type of individual. And obviously, you know, the reality of the situation is incredibly diverse. Um, it doesn't matter. You and I could both have gone to the same unit, deployed to the same places, um, seen the same stuff overseas, and we would have different reactions to it because we're different humans, different psyche. So, Really, when it comes down to it, we have some veterans that show up because it looks like a fun event. Um, a lot of veterans, if you asked them, you know, why are you here? What are you trying to accomplish? They wouldn't know. Um, what you're going to see at all the individual events, it really varies from place to place. Uh, the, the, the core structure of the event is, is about the same. It's between like 8 and 12 miles uh, we stop every mile and a half to two miles, have food, snacks, drinks, relax. Uh, it's not a very athletic event. We go about three miles an hour. You don't have to ruck if you don't want to. Um, and we and we have ages from, you know, the boot Marine or, or soldier that just got out all the way up to, you know, Vietnam vets. Um, we had a World War II veteran that came out to one of our hikes. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's it insane. So the entire gamut. It's one of, uh, we were talking about the inclusivity earlier, and uh, it is one of the most diverse communities I've been a part of, um, and everybody feels they're part of it. When, when Irreverent Warriors initially started, it was uh, more focused toward uh, combat veterans, and uh, I know my experience, I'm, I'm very happy that isn't our focus as much anymore, and it hasn't been for years. Um, it's really about wherever you served, whatever you did, you know, you're a part of us. You know, we're, we're a family. We have to have each other's backs. Um, you go to one event in, uh, let's say Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune, right? You have a ton of, uh, active duty Marines generally, you know, 18 to 30 ish. Then you go out to Tucson, Arizona, a lot of retirees your, your demographic changes completely. You're talking, you know, uh, 35 to 60, um, the general age group there. And both of those events are incredibly different. The one thing that is, is pretty consistent, uh, these days is we, we want veterans to be able to get out of their own headspace, um, be able to let their walls down. And that's, we were talking about silkies. That's part of the reason why silkies are a part of, of, uh, the silky Sykes. 
it's really tough to maintain your bravado, like keep your walls up when you're wearing the shortest of shorts right. around everyone else that's wearing short shorts. Um, you end up being a little more vulnerable. And uh, it, one of the most important aspects, the thing that, that I connected with, with the Reverend Warriors was the irreverence. I'd been uh, to so many nonprofits, and I'm, I'm not going to say anything ill of them. It takes an army, and not every veteran is looking for the same impact, the same resources, same experience, the same therapy. For me, all of the all of the, the opportunities I had, uh, whether it was like VA group therapy, or you know a, another nonprofit event, or fundraiser, or hey, we're going to raise awareness for um, suicide issues, mental health issues in the military none of them really connected with me. Um, they, they were, they were very somber affairs for the most part. You know, people sat in a circle and told their deepest, darkest secrets kind of, you know, teared up a little bit. And for me, I, I didn't get that. I went to my first, uh, group therapy session and it was 15 veterans. Most of them, not in my age group, uh, hadn't served where I served. I didn't know them. I wasn't going to open up to them. It just, it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't because I was intentionally resisting. It just, I wasn't comfortable. That's not the way uh, I'd always conducted myself in the military. You know, f for me, we hit a tragedy of a situation. Like, it's just, oh, it's terrible. And we would process the situation, generally make a dark joke, um, find a way to laugh through it, add a little light to the equation, and you'd step off like there was no i'm gonna just chill here in my sadness and darkness and depression and uh we had we had to move forward we had to find a coping mechanism and a lot of times that was humor mm -hmm. um the other the other side of that was the camaraderie piece you know you i knew that no matter what i was dealing with i had you in the fight with me you know we had each other's backs and, th and that was another huge part of it so yeah um that, that irreverence has always been something that I looked for when I was talking with a veteran. Um, like I said, not all veterans are alike. There, there are a lot of veterans that, that need different types of therapy. For me, a lot of my friends, we want that raw, open, honest communication. We want to be able to say what we need to say without, without worrying about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that raw dialogue is really tough to replicate. I don't care. You could be the best clinician in the world. If you don't have a shared experience in military culture, uh, it's going to be very tough to connect with your audience. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest aspects that, uh, of irreverent warriors that I just connected with. I got it. It made sense. And it was the first thing that, that really resonated with me as a veteran. And, uh, the, the, the beautiful thing about it is the more involved you are with the organization, the more you invest in it, the more rewarding it is to you. You know, you, you become part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Oh, man. It, everything that you said really touched me because my experience after the military was definitely in that isolation. In fact, I'm somebody up until just a short time ago wasn't even embracing the veteran thing. Like, I didn't want people to know I was a veteran. I tried not to brand myself that way. I would avoid wearing anything that was military or anything like that uh, because I didn't want that stigma that went with it because I had separated. But I agree with you that um, over the years, I felt very alone because you can't connect to people. It's it's hard when, when you've been plugged into this military-industrial complex and you have been, for lack of a better word, programmed. Because that's what we are. We, we are militarized. We are programmed to go do a job. And that job, like you had referred to, embracing the suck, right? Mm -hmm. There is nothing fun about this job. When you're out there and you're deployed and you're in the field and you're doing the stuff that the military asks you to do, you know, my first two weeks on active duty, I worked like 90 hours a week. We were in the field and it was just like straight fucking field time. You know? like, Welcome to the show. <laughs> what was the old tagline? It's a, we do, we do more before lunch than most people do all day. And... That is the truth. And in order to be able to do that, you, you're right. You have to develop this dark humor. You've got to learn to be able to laugh at shit situations like this yeah. fucking sucks. But then you find the humor through it. And I like how you're using humor to heal. 
Yeah. Like you're using that as part of that platform. But since I have embraced being a veteran and since I have been to the community, like the MIT conference here with you, with, with, with Drew and the Grunstyle Foundation and the other people that I've had the opportunity to work with, once I found that camaraderie again, it's like, no, these people get me. Mm -hmm. Like, you're right. You can be yourself. You can open up. They understand your jokes. They understand your pain. They understand the the program pieces of you. That I don't care who you are. If you're ex-military, you're 10 minutes early to everything. Everything. Like, that has been the... Me and my wife just had this conversation the other day. And she's like, I don't understand. We have, like, eight minutes. Why? And I was like, you don't understand. We're already two minutes late. <laughs> like this is this has been very dialed into me. Like yeah, it's so the only, hard. The only thing that the only time that changes is when I completely forget that I have a thing, which happens often as well. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> see, I, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Uh, it's always her fault if we're late. That checks. Always just done. I just throw her under the bus, and I'm like, look, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that man, I love what you guys are doing because I agree. You you get out there, you get in that environment. You, you're forced to socialize. You, you, I, I related so much to what you said. You just stand around and you don't want to engage, you know, and that's, that is that social awkwardness of being a veteran. Yeah. But I think at the core of that though, is you don't want to engage because you're afraid of being rejected. That's you've been rejected so many times or people can't relate to you because they don't have any frame of reference for your experience. Yeah. Somebody who's a civilian, if they, they grew up at mom and dad's house and they go to college, it doesn't really matter what they've done in life. It doesn't even really matter what traumas or anything that they shared. It's not that our traumas are special, right? Other people can have trauma just as deep or if not worse, 100%. There, yeah. You know, but they don't understand our experience. Just like, I don't know what it's like to live in the hood. I never grew up in the hood. I can imagine what that's like. I can imagine how difficult that might be, but I can't relate to it. There mm -hmm. is no frame of reference for me. And I feel that that's the same way about the military. It's like you, unless you have a frame of reference for what we did, where we went, the training that we went through, the work environment that we were in and the people. And that's the hardest thing when you leave the military. It's like, here's all these people that became family. Yep. You know, and then you get thrown out in the world. And, and that's the other side of that, that I really struggled with was, when you go back to the civilian world from being a soldier or, you know, a Marine or whatever it is that you are, um, you know, seaman, Navy, I got to love that <clears throat> anyway, or chair force or whatever, you know, if you wanted to pretend to be in the military, um, you have the opportunity to, uh, <laughs> they're all laughing at me. Now, I'm joking. I love the air force. Anybody out there that's upset, you know, you're better. real veterans too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. But uh, that's why we make fun of each other, right? Isn't that the comedy hour last night? Did you go to the comedy show? I didn't. Oh, I didn't man, know. what but, a good but time. But you're right. We, we do constantly give each other shit. Oh, and 100%. It's, it's part of our love language. And uh, there are times when somebody outside of that circle observes our behavior and then tries to adopt it and starts giving one of our brothers and sisters some shit. Not okay. Like, really? You're Air Force? Bro, you're civilian. You don't talk to my brother like that. Exactly. Like, we are the only ones that can give each other that kind of shit. Oh, it's like, I give Drew shit all the time about being a ranger. It's so easy. I have, yeah, it's so easy. But you know, <laughs> but all the love and the respect in the world, right? Yes. I know what being a ranger is. I know how fucking hard that is. I don't understand what being infantry is. Like, there's no disrespect in that. I'm just busting his balls, you right. know? But I agree with you 100%. If somebody comes up and they start talking shit on somebody that and they hadn't served, no, no, no. That ain't going to fly. Like, you know, you, you're yeah. going to stand up and, and do that. But that inclusive environment gives you the opportunity to, to be welcomed again. Yeah. And to not get rejected. And, and and to be able to process things however you need to process them. And and that's, you were just talking about, you know, if you, you you're not going to get it. Until you do it, you're not going to get it. You can, you can learn, you can educate yourself, you can expose yourself, you know, talk to all these veterans. You're still not going to quite get it um, no. until you're a part of it. And uh, that's, that's where that, that disconnect for me was when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was trying to have open conversations with, with clinicians, with friends. Um, and unless you were a veteran, a lot of what I said sounded really irreverent. <laughs> it sounded really messed up and uh that that was just the way i was processing it wasn't a lot of people you know you'll you'll hit a very tough topic of conversation and you'll communicate about it and just because you use a light-hearted flair or you you make an off-color joke in the middle of your very very intense story 
they're like, okay, well, they're probably dismissing all of these emotions. You know, they're, they're covering it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not the thing. That's how we are processing. Right. We still understand the gravity of the situation. It's just how we communicate it and how we process it completely different. Oh, 100%. I tell people that all the time. I say, if uh, if you ever see somebody that knows how to laugh and cry at the same time, they're probably ex-military. <laughs> <laughs> they have mastered the skill. <laughs> While still doing their job. While still doing their job. <laughs> they are functionally there. So, well, man, so if somebody wants to be a part of your Reverend Warriors, so let's say they, where are they going to go? Are they going to find your events on Facebook? Do they, do they go to your website? How do they learn more about the organization? Yeah, the easiest place to go is the website, irreverentwarriors.com. Um, you can go to irreverentwarriors.com forward slash events, and that has all of our events coming up for the next year. We also have a link to communities. So one, one of the things we try to make very clear, um, and it, it's something I, I, I learned very early on, the magic of irreverent warriors isn't the branding. It's not me. It's not the leadership. It's the raw veteran to veteran connection, like just getting veterans in the same space, um, creating an environment that's conducive to people opening up and being real with each other. That's just the start. People see our silky psychs as the main event and they assume that's what we do. And it's not the silky psych is a construct. It's a way to get a a, a certain demographic of veteran off of their couch and engaged. That's it. Uh, we do, we do river floats, barbecues, you name it. The silky psych is one of these events, but the end goal is the silky psych is, is the introduction back to, uh, a veteran network where you can be understood. And Mm. a lot of, a lot of people, they, they confuse, um, understanding and, like actually let's say um you and i both did different jobs i don't need to fully understand your job or your traumas or what you went through i need to be understanding and there's a there's a big difference there and i mean it's it's the same in the veteran space like when you have two veterans just talking and opening up with each other um those walls come down they communicate I don't need to say, yo, bro, I totally know what you mean, right? I don't. Our, once again, our traumas are different. Our experiences are different. I just need to be understanding of your trauma and, right. and the way you're dealing with it. So all of that to, to say the, the Silky Sykes, they're the first event, generally speaking, in, in these communities. And that ends up springboarding uh, a local veteran community. And that's what this is all about. It's peer-to-peer support. The real magic of irreverent warriors is just veteran-to-veteran connection. And uh, so many of those connections aren't because they served in the same same place or they're the same age group. It's investment. That's all it is. Uh, very early on in my life, I uh, had an evangelist that I heard. My, my family was super religious growing up. Um, I'm not as religious now. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, a little bit less. But um, we welcome all types here. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. One of the things that I heard was people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's something that resonated with me. I was a kid when I heard that. And uh, that's a beautiful saying. Very empathetic person. I care about people. I love people. And uh, now my mission is very focused in the veteran community, the veteran space. But that's one of the things that I've I've applied over and over While while I was in service. It didn't matter if I was this guy's platoon sergeant. That was relevant. Like that, that was part of the equation, but I had to earn their respect. And one of the best ways that I could do that to be an act, a real leader to these people was to invest in them. If you don't know the people you're leading, how are you going to do it effectively? You can't, it's impossible. So that's one of the things that I, that, that I now apply to what I'm doing with the organization. These people that are connected at these events, they, they are truly invested in each other. They're invested in each other's well-being. Um, sometimes the love that you're going to get from someone outside of our core, our, our family, the veteran community, is uh, it's almost too soft. It's too gentle, too respectful, too reverent mm-hmm. for me. Um, but the, the hardest conversations I've had with with buddies, friends, growing up, 
um, in the military, the hardest discussions I ever had were not, not easy. They were, they weren't me sitting down and going, Hey man, Hey man, I know stuff has been hard for you and I just want to help. No, most of those, those conversations were get your ass off the couch. You're, you're drinking yourself to death. You're wondering why your mental health is collapsing. Grab them by the front of the shirt, lift them off the couch and kick them out the door. Like it's, it's that tough love. And, uh, the only way that guy's going to accept that input is if I've, I've earned that the ability to connect with him. If I, if he's actually hearing me, not because he thinks I'm an authority figure or because I'm imposing my will, he knows I truly care about their well-being. Man, I have so much I want to say on a few things that you said. One, mad respect. Like if, if I, if I can earn respect for somebody on the mic in a moment, I did because your example of leadership, empathy and caring. So I teach business. I, I've been at 20 years of business degree. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, but as I went through the, the uh, academic world of business and you get into management structure and leadership and all of those things, there's a lot of things that schooling can teach. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that the military always embodied, and I've talked about this several times in the show, is the military showed me leaders who lead by example. Right. And there were some that did and there were some that didn't. Mm -hmm. But when you see that leadership through example, that leadership through empathy and caring, man, you said that so perfectly. That is the the beauty of that military style leadership that is transferable, not into the just the military world, but also the civilian world. And so any of the, the listeners out there, like if you're looking for like a key to become a better leader at your work and your job and your career, whatever it is that you're doing, the real key is to start caring about other people. And the more that you truly invest and care in others, the more that you can lead them, the more that they will respect you. Because people respect people who show respect, who show leadership. But another thing that you said that I really related to, and I think that this is one of the problems, and I've seen this as a, as a boss over the years, military people, because of our training, negative reinforcement is kind of a thing. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I almost hate to push that because I don't believe it. And it's a good thing from a negative standpoint. But a little bit of tough love, like we are the group. If if my wife comes to me, and, and this happens all the time, because I'm I'm lazy like everyone else. Okay, <laughs> I don't care how gung ho I sound. I have days where like I don't want to. Do You're a human, dude. I don't want to do That's shit. Insane. And so, you know, she doesn't come up to me and go, "Hey, baby, how you feeling today? Do you want to get <laughs> up and go do something?" She's like, "Get up, let's go." <laughs> Like, get off your fucking ass and let's go Quit outside. Being a pussy. Quit being a pussy. Like, stop <laughs> it. Stop you. you know, she's told me that before. She goes, stop feeling sorry for yourself. And I'm like, ow. Like, I, fine. <laughs> Dude, that is that is so powerful. It really is. Uh, so one of our missions, I mean, we just talked about, hey, this is really about developing community. And, uh, you know, getting veterans back in a space where they feel supported. What, where they are supported, not just feel supported. So that, that community is everything, but you, you nailed it, man. Like there is so much toxic culture in, in the military and veteran space. We were talking about earlier, you mentioned, um, a, a few risk factors associated with mental health and suicide. And, and you were like, Hey, these are not unique to us. And you're 100% right. Whether you're talking about habituation to self-injury or, uh, issues with finances or relationships or, um, your health going to shit, whatever it is, those, those risk factors associated with suicide in the military space, they're the same in the civilian space. Mm -hmm. Like they have those same struggles and, and they, they react to them in a similar fashion. That's humanity. The difference is how we experience those. I think we're better at it than everyone else. Well, <laughs> we have more relationship problems, more money problems. We, it's not that the risk factors are different. We have more exposure to them. Well, and, and a lot of it is the the type of individual mm -hmm. that gets pushed into that space. And the other thing that uh, that veterans specifically are taught, and, I, and this is not to exclude anyone, because there is people in the civilian space that can do this too. But we were taught to endure things actively, right? When you're going through the suck, when shit is terrible, 
you still put one foot in front of the other and you keep going through the motions. And I think that is one of the things that is both beautiful about veterans. It's also the dangerous thing because you can have someone in your life who is suffering, who looks like from the outside, they got their shit together. Mm-hmm. They're waking up on time. They're going to work. They're, they're not drunk 24 seven. You know, they're, you, you don't see what they're dealing with and you assume that this person is, is living in a certain way or, or, or in a good space. And the next thing you know, you find out, man, that guy blew his brains out last week. Yep. Like, holy shit, because that struggle is so internal and we're so turned off to not wanting to share those experiences. And, um, yeah, that that's an incredible thing. And I, I was looking on your website a few minutes ago, and uh, look at it again. You know, Fifty thousand plus hike attendees, over a hundred and twenty five participating cities. That's incredible. Like that's a huge organization. How many chapters do you have across the country? Uh, we're now at about one hundred and fifty. About one hundred and fifty chapters. And how many people's in a chapter? depends um some of our some of our local communities are in the thousands um others hundreds i would say the average is probably uh, five to eight hundred now membership into one of these communities what does that involve like are these all volunteers that are working for the organization that are helping you set up events are they doing the barbecues and other things like that like uh, how does somebody participate how does somebody become involved like what exactly is that process look like and what different levels of involvement can you have absolutely so, I mean, like you said, biggest, easiest way to uh, get to an event. I can, I can describe a silky psych till I'm blue in the face. It, it's not going to hit. The second you're in that atmosphere, um, you'll, you'll get it. It'll click. I mean, I coordinated an event. And uh, until I attended the event I coordinated, I didn't get it. I didn't understand what was going on. But it, just get there. Like, get to a hike. Get to an event. Uh, get to one of these local communities. At that point... It's, uh, it's, it's what, how, how much do you have to invest? That's, that's really it. I will find something for you to do. We, all of our local community leaders are volunteers. Um, hundreds of volunteers across the world make this happen. And it's, it's an amazing thing to, to be a part of. For, for a lot of these coordinators, they, they get to a hike or an event, um, get exposed to irreverent warriors, start hanging out with this group. And it's, it's just, uh, it catches you. It, so many of these folks, like they, the people that were at that first event that I coordinated, um, I know, I know some of the people that met at that event, they're still best friends. It's amazing. The second you have that connection, that investment comes with it. Now you're going to do what you need to do to make sure the person to your left and right is okay. Right. So, so that compels people to do more kind of, my experience in, in irreverent warriors, not going to do it. And then I did, um, <laughs> famous last words, <laughs> <No>. never <laughs> can't make me, uh, <laughs> but I mean, for some people that looks like, Hey, I want to bring one of these communities to my city. I want to bring it to my home. Um, it, it's needed everywhere. It really is. I don't care. You know what, what place you find you're, you're going to be able to find veterans is going to happen. For, for some folks, that means, you know, using one of their sp- particular set of skills or talents. Um, we have creative design teams. We have social media moderators. You name it, top to bottom. Um, but if, if you want to get invested in something real, like I said, we're, not, we're, we're doing it. We're, now, we're, we're active. Are all of these positions volunteer-based? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we oh, have, man, that's awesome. We have, um, a, <laughs> we have too few staffed positions. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that, that we're, we're definitely growing out of. Um, it's a, it's a lot of pressure running this kind of organization, the scope of what we do and, uh, the range of where we do it. It's, it's crazy. Well, yeah, you, you think what you just said earlier is you're a uh, CEO of a company with 60,000 members. That's significant. It's like, a lot of work. If that was, if that was any other organization in the business world, that would be considered massive. <laughs> you know, they consider anything over 100 employees to be a large-scale business. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And I'm, I am, uh, I believe in transparency. I am the second highest paid person in the organization, and I make $1,000 a month. It's, oh, wow. It's not permanently sustainable, but I can do it for now. I have, I have disability. 
that's one of the things we are going to have to grow out of. We're going to have to grow up a little bit and bring in more staff members, more resources, so we can more effectively impact our mission. Well, you guys are making a big step toward that now, aren't you? We yeah, are, you, yeah. you really. got a big alignment coming your way, don't you? We do. You want to talk about that? I absolutely do. You couldn't prevent me. All uh, right. Because I have the microphone. Yeah, so. well, that's true. I can always turn it off, I guess. Uh, I suppose you do have the I, dials and switches. I would. I, you know, I have the power. See, it's the only place in my life I have power left. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is nodding her head. She's I like, am the master and commander. 100%. Of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I, uh, we, I met Grunt Style and their leadership back at an event in Chicago. They attended the Silkies hike. That was my first exposure to the organization. I was talking to Tim and a few of his leaders at the event, and they were like, we love this. Like, this is our culture. There are so many nonprofits and so many missions that just don't hit that they're, they're close and they they intend well this is our culture this is how we want to attack suicide and mental health and uh they asked how they could be involved we talked about a, a few different um engagements one of them being you know them sharing our events and promoting our our mission they be quickly became a sponsor um so grunt style has been a, a huge partner for us over the years and um, now just recently, Grunt Style started their foundation in an effort to put a lot of what, what they wanted to impact the military space with, put that on their plate and say, we're going we're gonna to handle it directly. Um, so we had some initial planning discussions. I was, I was there when they did the launch meeting for Grunt Style Foundation and was able to speak there. And it was, it was so impactful because I knew they were going to do amazing stuff. And I already had a relationship with these folks. One of the first conversations I had with Will, we're, we're going through this, this planning session. You know, how can we work together? How can we collaborate better? How can we better impact the veteran community? And uh, he just throws out a question. He was like, hey, uh, how, how would you feel about, you know, maybe us joining forces? I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, that sounds great. Love to work with you guys. And quickly that conversation over, I want to say a two month time period went from how can we do this to let's be the same team. Let's, let's just join each other and, and do this. And two years later, here we are. Um, it's been an incredible journey. Oh my God, a roller coaster for sure. But it's, it's, it's so amazing seeing working with people that aren't concerned about the brand. They're not concerned about the acclaim or, you know, what they, how they can benefit personally. It's about the mission. And if there is a way to more effectively impact that mission, they're going to do it. And that's what Grunt Style Foundation and Irreverent Warriors are bringing to this, this, it's a puzzle. We're going to put it together and it doesn't matter whether it's Irreverent Warriors or Grunt Style Foundation. If combining forces makes our impact more powerful, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And uh, it's, it's been a heck of a journey to get where we're at. Uh, we're, we're now looking at more than likely, barring the unforeseen, we're going to be merged as a single entity by January 1. That is awesome. So that merger is going to come through and then Irreverent Warriors and the Grunt Style Foundation are going to be aligned doing good work. I'm so excited about it. Like well, the, those initial conversations were so just, uh, they were just built on that excitement. And the more we communicated about the pieces we needed, the pieces they needed, uh, we, it became obvious that a lot of the things that Reverent Warriors had put together over the last eight years were things that Grunt Style could do Eventually, they'll build to that, but they weren't there yet. Right. A lot of the things that Grunt Style had in play, the foundation had in play, were things we could eventually build to, but we weren't there yet. This is, this is a time warp. Like, oh. just by combining forces and, and plugging our, uh, our benefits into theirs and vice versa, it's force multiplier. Well, yeah, that was the first thing I was thinking when you were describing it, because, you know, we've been involved with the Grunt Style Foundation now for a while, and uh, we've been working a little bit with Grunt Style. I had Tim on the podcast just a couple of podcasts ago, right? And um, so 
when I got linked up with the Grunt Style Foundation, as anybody, you, you go in to look at an organization and you, you look for the transparency. Where is it at? And the first thing I see is like, okay, well, look, look at the HBOT therapy. You know, they gave away 12 of those tanks last year. When you realize those things are $10,000 a piece, and then you learn a little bit about the therapy. In fact, the episode that we have airing today is about, uh, it's uh, Dr. Zaid Ratanzi. He is an HBOT uh, specialist. And so when I did that podcast with him and I learned about all of the healing that can come from that. And then I think, Oh man, look, they're aligning veterans that need this healing. They're providing this therapy. They're putting it out there. Like that isn't just talk that's action. And then you see what they do with the deployments and how they're bringing the food and everything. But all of these big objectives that the organization is doing has been limited by manpower. Mm-hmm. Right. They have the brand, they have the support, they have the, the, the functions, but they didn't have the manpower. And here comes the irreverent warriors. You got a, a 60,000 person volunteer network that is aligned on the same goal, just like the triangular compass. Right. How do we brain people to healing? Mm-hmm. Right. In all modalities, not just physical, but physical, mental all of those spaces and you're bringing that camaraderie and that groupness and then you can come in there and then align that with those missions oh man the 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 potential of what you guys can do now is huge absolutely huge uh i I think those are two very well aligned missions that it can have real impact and large-scale impact which is the best type i agree yeah and and you're right we're we're bringing an army to the equation and the and these folks are are amazing i'm honored to serve this organization. Uh, it's, it kind of blows my mind when you talk to leaders, regardless of whether it's, you know, in the for-profit or nonprofit space, and they, they communicate as though, you know, it's, it's, a authority, you know, I'm, I am an authority figure. I control this. This is my company. And one of the things that's should be incredibly evident in the nonprofit space is nobody owns it. It's not, it's not mine. It's not Cindy's. It's not the founders. The board of directors obviously guide the organization, but the organization is for its people. Right. Um, and that, that investment is going to be very clear. But I'm, I am. I'm so excited about the opportunities we have ahead of us. It's going to be yeah. amazing. Well, that is incredible. I'm really looking forward to getting to work with each other. I, I was looking at your hikes just a minute ago. I seen you did a St. Louis hike back in October. But here's a question I got for you. So I went to look at what you had in December, and you have uh, – Birmingham, Alabama, Key West, Florida, and then St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Like, is there a lot of people to travel to these events? Oh, a ton, yeah. Because uh, have... I'm, I'm thinking that St. Thomas one sounds like something I want to do. And that just happens to be the day before New Year's. That sounds cool. Absolutely. Yeah, we we do. We have these things pop up all over the place. Um, I mean, now we have uh, Normandy, Germany. We're in Frankfurt, Germany. You're global. London. Uh, Guam, Puerto Rico, Hawaii, Alaska, we're all over the place. So are you doing then just U.S. veterans in these global spaces, or are these all veterans? All veterans. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, we recently got linked up with some uh, Canadian veterans through Operation Purify. Ryan, did you get a chance to meet him? Yeah, man, What a great. cool guy. What a cool guy. But he was the first one that opened my, my mind to the idea that veterans it doesn't really matter what country you're served in we're all relatively the same and boy is he right like i can sit down at a table with him serving in the canadian armed forces and we can share stories and we can relate and it doesn't matter sometimes i don't know what ranks he's talking about or missions or whatever but we all been to the same place Mm -hmm. we've all done the same stuff it's it's so similar that he is just so much of a brother to me as any other veteran so you're right when you're when you're reaching out and you're going across the globe and you're including all the veterans in there. Now, do the spouses ever show up to this stuff, or is it you know first responders? Is it just just the military community? It is. Well, the, so the Silky Sykes are the only completely exclusive event we run. So a lot of these other events, um, people bring their family, they bring their friends. I I think that's an important aspect of it as well. Um, that exclusive environment is amazing for unconventional therapy. It's fantastic. But at the same time, you want to give significant others, friends, their support network, whether they're civilian or military, you want to give them that inside scoop so they can kind of see the mission at work. I mean, we've heard from spouse after spouse after spouse, you know, hey, when when he first wanted to go do this hike or when she first wanted to go do this hike, um, I didn't get it. It didn't make sense. And then I saw them be become part of this community and it changed their life. They, they have joy. 
they they have they have a life again and it's it's so rewarding it's so amazing to hear that so long story short we we have a ton of support from the community from the civilian uh civilian supporters of our veterans they show up to the stops they volunteer we have some civilians that are that are local community coordinators so well that is that's incredible so here's my one personal question and uh not for you but for me um <laughs> you're do gonna you guys ask sing... you a question no not yet <laughs> you can if you want to um do they sing cadence no no damn Man, i mean it's the one thing i will I say miss. It's, it's been done uh but it's not it's not, not part, a, of, not part of it oh man i'll tell you what that is the one thing i miss I actually used to really enjoy just walking around and singing the cadence and doing all that stuff. But uh, unfortunately, it's not one that I remember. Mm. I, I don't remember a lot of the cadences. Like, I'll have, like, bits and pieces. Yeah. But uh, And then I've looked into, like, um, shows you how much of a nerd I am. I've actually looked into buying, like, a CD of cadences, and then they're all terrible. Like, <laughs> none of them are, like, anything I remember singing. They don't have any edge anymore. It's nothing. It's not about it, napalm and And they got, like, music to it and shit, and I'm like, I don't need all this. I just need the damn words. Like, yeah. somebody just, like, I, I remember it, but I don't. There was you know? a bird in a windowsill, I think. That, I, yeah, right? What was it? The, yeah, I still don't remember all that one either. Dude, that stuff comes out all the time. I would say more than anything, though, if you get to a hike, more than likely, you're going to run into, like, a jam session at some point. Somebody's going to be blasting like Sweet Caroline on the speakers and you'll see a pocket of a hundred veterans just fist pumping in the air and singing their hearts out. It's, it's such a fun thing to be a part of. Well, you've sold me. I, I definitely am going to make my way to an Irreverent Warriors event and uh, the Stone Apes wants to be a part of this. I, I got to check out and see what this is all about. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. So I'm really glad that you guys are joining forces and the, the foundation is going to be joining you guys. And, and to see the work that you guys are going to be doing going forward, um, man, it sounds incredible. And I'm super pumped. I'm excited to see how this is all going to go and, and play out. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a wonderful organization, man. Hats off to you guys for what you're doing. And uh, glad that you're... Uh, giving people the space to be able to come find that healing. So I'm honored to be a part of it. I mean, when it comes down to it, this is our responsibility. You know, we could, we could blame it on the government or say, Hey, this is the VA's response. No, it's not. We, we know what we need. It's, it's us. We have to have each other's backs. So, I mean, I'm compelled to do this. I have to, it's, it is what I do. And, uh, I feel like one of the things you kind of mentioned earlier was, almost that victim mentality that's present in a, in a lot of spots in our community. And like you mentioned, a lot of times that victim mentality, when you're like, well, it is what it is. I've, my, my back's broken. My knees are messed up. Uh, my memory doesn't work anymore. Uh, constant migraines, seizure disorder. I'm a mess. I can't do anything. That's when you just start getting consumed by your pain. You start looking internal. You know, now it's now it's all about you and your problems. And that victim mentality is so toxic. You know, it's it's so empowering to shuck that off and take responsibility for yourself and your family around you and get shit done. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely. That was very well said. And, you know, my advice to anybody out there listening is to embody what Nate just said. You need to really focus on what is the solution not the problem. We all have problems. We all have reasons why we can't do the things that we want to do. That does that exists in all peoples. But the difference between those that do things and those that don't is the doers find the solutions. I have an objective in front of me and this is my objective. Now I'm not going to worry about the things that are going to keep me from my objective. I'm going to focus on the things that are going to get me to my objective. And then I'm going to put all of my time, effort and energy into those. And I'm going to keep moving forward into that space. And that really is the key to putting yourself in a place to find healing putting yourself in the place to, to find the motivation to keep moving on, to, to be able to have progress or success or whatever thing that you're looking for. That could be business, that could be personal, that could be so many different areas of your life. But you can't focus on the problems. Mm -hmm. You have to focus on solutions and action. And if you don't put things into action, you can't expect to get anywhere. Well, I agree. And it's, and it's so easy to get distracted by the symptoms instead of looking at the root cause. And I, I think... Uh, veterans we, we do that just as much as anyone else you know we focus on on that one pain point or that one symptom instead of addressing the root problem and uh we're better at calling each other out on our bullshit than anyone else 
Like yeah. we get that about each other. Like nobody else is going to, is, is probably going to have the balls to call you out and just be like, Hey man, I don't care. You, you had a nightmare last night. You couldn't sleep for three nights in a row. Yeah. That's life. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, uh, I think that help, my, my goal isn't just to create community. It's not to blow up irreverent warriors or, you know, blow up the new grunt style foundation. When we become a part of, of that organization, my goal is to indelibly change the veteran outlook for the better. Uh-huh. And, and that's so many pieces to that. We can't, like I said earlier, we can't do, um, financial assistance and, address clinical therapy and also help people with health and wellness. Like we can't do the whole thing, but the root problem in so many cases is isolation, whether that's social isolation or physical isolation, we're really good at it. (laughs) We we retreat so quickly into ourselves when we don't feel like we're a part of something anymore. And, uh, that community is everything. I might not be able to help you pay your bills, um, but we have, we have partners and resources we can, we can get you to the root issues are really what we're trying to, we're trying to address. A lot of that is mentality. Um, but a huge part of it is just having a support network. Well, you, you, like you said before, you heal the root cause, you fix the symptoms, right? And we see that in so many different places in life. We see that in modern medicine equal evenly. Um, you know, it's like you come in there with the symptom and they want to give you a pill and it's like, they want to fix that symptom. It's like, no, why don't we figure out what's causing the symptom? Why don't we fix the actual problem? And, and that goes for all of our other areas of life as well. So man, I really commend you for that. Like, I think as long as you stay with that altruistic mission and you stay focused on that and you keep moving toward that, then it will just come together, right? That's that alignment. That's being on the frequency. That's finding that path. And, you know, when you know that this is the good that I want to do in the world and you keep pursuing that good, you keep pursuing that mission, then you will find the things through the law of attraction. You will find the things that need to be there along the way. And uh, so I think you're going to be incredibly successful at what you're doing. It sounds like you already have been. So it's been a it's, pretty good ride. It's got to be us, man. Like it, it's not me. It's not a reverent warriors, it's not grunt style or uh, the stone date podcast. It's, it's us, you know, we're, we're family and it's going to take all of us to change, to change these issues, to address these issues and get healthy as a, as a community. I agree with that. So for anybody out there that is listening, uh, if you guys are interested in getting involved, uh, being a part of the Irreverent Warriors, I'm going to make sure to have all of this stuff down in the description of the podcast. You're going to be able to go there, click on the link, see the events. And uh, I really encourage you to consider becoming involved. If anything, do it for yourself the first time. Come out and get some of that camaraderie. Come out and be able to tell some jokes and have a good time and laugh. And, you know, if anything, just gives you an excuse a chance to wear some silkies like you know why not you know but uh just get involved find your way to the community uh i can tell you from my own personal experience as i mentioned earlier in this podcast not wanting to really embrace being a veteran i am so glad that i did the love in the community that i have found in this veteran space just like even being here in vegas it it is so nice to look around and one you can spot a veteran out from a oh, crowd. Yeah. That, that has been more evident to me here because there's like three conventions in yeah. this particular hotel. And every time somebody walks by, I'm like, veteran, veteran, not a veteran, veteran. <laughs> like it just. They're pretty well, obvious. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but you can't hide. I ran into a guy uh, on at the hotel earlier when I first showed up. Okay, I had been here 10 minutes and he came up and as soon as he opened his mouth, just his speech pattern, tone, everything, I was like, that guy's in the military. And so uh, I didn't say anything, just kind of casual. Then he gets into the um, elevator with me. And he goes, what are you here for? I said, I'm here for the military influencers conference. He goes, oh, are you ex-military? I said, yeah, of course. He goes, so am I. And I said, I know. <laughs> and he goes, how did you know? And I was like, come on, man. <laughs> we all know. 
your style, your communication, your appearance, the way you moved your hand just yeah. now, like everything about you screams military. Like you're not going to hide that. So yeah, that gives us a great sense of purpose and community. So for the listening audience, why don't you go ahead and give a plug? Get, tell people how to find your organization, what it is to be involved, anything that you would like to say about it. And again, I'll add that to the the uh, the description for the podcast, and then uh, and then we'll go ahead and wrap on up. Absolutely. So our our mission, the mission of our Reverend Warriors, is bringing veterans together using humor and camaraderie to improve mental health and prevent veteran suicide. Huge piece of it. It really is. Um, love our mission. It, it it's so profound to me. And it's, it's amazing seeing the impact of it over, over, over and over and over and over. Obviously, as, as a leader in any organization, especially a nonprofit, you, you, you deal with a lot of adversity. And I could have 99% be bullshit and drama and business, stuff I've got to just deal with. And if that 1% comes through, and it, and it does over and over again, and it's a veteran saying, hey, this made a difference in my life. You gave me a reason to get up tomorrow. You know, I have a family again. Just those little little tidbits are, are enough to keep me driven, keep me motivated. You mentioned it earlier. You, you've got to do something. It doesn't matter if it's irreverent warriors. It doesn't matter if you never hike again. That's I don't care. But find where your impact point is and invest in it. We're not going to get better by being an ostrich, shoving our head in the sand. We've got to be aware of the situation and address it, become part of the solution. We would love to have any of you come out to one of our hikes. It's an amazing time. Uh, like I said, I can't even, I'm not going to do justice to it by trying to describe it in words. But if it's not a hike, please do something. Uh, check out our website. It's uh, irreverentwarriors.com. Um, we do have some issues with people spelling irreverent. So if you have to look it up, do. But <laughs> they, have, they have spell check on Google. It's a tough word. We don't use it much. It, but, is, it was a big word. Yeah. Like I, had, I had to look up the meaning <laughs> engineer. It's fine. <laughs> we, it, I, I can't tell you how many people, uh, initially don't get what irreverent means or why it's a part of our branding. Um, but despite the spelling issues, it's, it's such a powerful word for how we deal with what we deal with and, and typically how the, how the military does deal with trauma and adversity. Um, but yeah, absolutely, there's there's a spot for you in our organization. Whether you want to be a local leader, you, you just want to participate in a local community, come out, check it out. Awesome. Well, very well done. You've done this a few times. You the fact it. that you have the mission statement memorized, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. And I could tell that when you were talking about it, you were speaking from the heart. It's not just something that you memorized from a piece of paper, but something that you're living and embodying and mad respect for that. So Appreciate that. All right, guys. Well, if you're still listening out there, why don't you do me a favor and click that subscribe button, then hit that notification bell so that you don't miss future episodes. Remember, most of our episodes are going to air Friday at 420. And uh, if for some reason I miss that time frame, they will be out Saturdays by midnight because I had to live a little grace with myself on that. So that is what it is. Uh, let's take a second and thank our podcast partner, uh, Grunt Style Foundation. I'll tell you what, guys, as you've heard today, you learned a little bit about the Grunt Style Foundation. Now you know that the merger is going to happen with Irreverent Warriors. That's going to be coming January 1st. If you guys want to be involved in a fantastic organization, look into the Grunt Style Foundation, look into your Reverend Warriors. You talk about people that have really went out of their way to answer the call and step up and do what they said that they were going to do for veterans. That is 100% the Grunt Style Foundation. I have not met a more committed group of people to their mission, to the cause of helping others, as I have with this foundation. And I've been around a lot of charities in my day. And I have been around charities, you know, one of the best that I ever worked with uh, was on the civilian side, and it was the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. And uh, they donate 98 cents of every dollar back to research and helping people. And um, the Grunstyle Foundation is definitely on that level. They, they, they live that mission. They do what they say they're going to do. And so whether it be HBOT therapy, whether it be the food deployments for active duty, uh, you know, a lot of people don't even know that, that there's active duty members that are on food stamps and they're getting wick. They don't make enough to support themselves. It's wild. Isn't and Grunstyle goes down to these bases with giant trucks and, and clothing and everything else and gives out food deployments and, and clothing and helps people. I mean, this is the definition of giving back. 
and doing what you need to do. And you combine that with an organization like Irreverent Warriors, where you have the volunteers, you have the camaraderie, you have the network. Just imagine the possibilities of what you're going to be able to do. Imagine what that next food deployment could look like or how many different food deployments and other types of services could be done for those that choose to get involved. And so uh, make sure you go see the Grunt Style Foundation. I got a link in the description. You can go over to their website, check out all the wonderful things that they are doing. It's a lot more than I have time to describe for you here. I promise you that. But you also have a donation model on there. I highly encourage you guys to give them a donation. You, they have a monthly reoccurring Donor, uh, reoccurring donor model that you can go. Uh, Little Birdie told me there's different teas and they're starting to give out some pretty neat swag and stuff like that. I've seen some pretty cool dog tags earlier. Maybe that'll be a part of it. I'm not sure. But uh, that you can also make a one-time donation. And uh, I highly encourage everybody to consider doing that because if you don't get involved, if you don't have the time, then, then donate the money and put that money to work so that other people who have the time can go out there and be helping people with the healing and, and finding the ways to the stuff that they need. So um, these organizations are, are difficult to run. They're expensive. Uh, the outreach costs a lot of money, uh, and it takes support to be able to do that. I also want to go ahead and thank our sponsor. A big thank you to Malevolent Art Tattoo Studio out of Barnhart, Missouri. That is our man, Anthony Ferguson, out there. I'll tell you what, guys. If you are looking for a absolutely fantastic tattoo artist, look no more. Anthony and his team of professionals down at Malevolent Art, they have your back. You go in there with the design. You, you tell them, hey, look, this is the tattoo that I'm wanting to get. Then they're going to look at that design. They're going to tell you, hey, look, you're good to go. That's a great design. Or they're going to explain to you why that design needs to be tweaked or modified because there are certain things within the technical art of tattooing that makes a good tattoo that, and there are other things that don't, right? And so they know what needs to be done. They'll help you design the tattoo that you want. They're going to show you an example of that before you put something on your body for the rest of your life. You should at least see a photo and they do a fantastic job of that. And uh, they're going to walk you through that. They'll walk you through the healing and the aftercare. It is just absolutely a fantastic experience. I have several tattoos from Anthony myself, uh, all which still look like stickers on my body. I, I mean, they don't even look like tattoos half the time. I'm just like, wow, is this thing ever going to fade? It's absolutely fantastic. So if you guys look in the description, go underneath there, you'll see a link to contact Anthony. Mention the Stone Dave's podcast, and you're going to get $50 off any booked appointment through Malevolent Art. Also, you you should inquire of Anthony and ask him about the new Stoned Apes podcast tattoo. Uh, he has designed his own logo, which I have not seen yet, but I am sure is absolutely amazing. And if you go through his tattoo shop, he will give you that specialized tattoo. And uh, look, somebody needs to be the first one out there to get this done because I want to see a photo of it. I want to see what it looks like. So if uh, if you're out there, you hit up the Reverend. Let me know what you're going to do. Uh, talk to Anthony. Go to, go out there and see him. And uh, I'll definitely make sure that you get some shout outs from us and get some pictures up on the side. It'll be a good time. As for that, again, Nate, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, I, it was nice to be able to run into you at the convention. I know I didn't get to see you too much because you were working the booth and doing all that stuff. But uh, you've been absolute fantastic guests. And hopefully this is not the last time that we get to work together. Uh, I'd like to have you on the show again. And then I'll see you out at events and we'll be doing other things. So just thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Thank you to all of my listeners out there. Guys, we love you so much. I appreciate all of you. We are growing every single day. Uh, you know, big shout out to our foreign listeners. We got quite the following in France. We're, we're getting a huge following out there in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we even have some people in India listening. I don't know anyone in India, but apparently <laughs> there's a there's a group full of Indians that are like, hey, we like these guys. So you know, if they like weed, I'm in. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what else I need to say. So, man, I just thank you. I love you guys. And I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and listen to us. As for the stoned apes in this podcast, we are out.